please turn to Luke 2, 22-38. In uncertain times, God is certain. And in these times of uncertainty, God is certain. You know, ten months ago, maybe nine, ten months ago, our whole world turned upside down during the pandemic as there were so many shutdowns. If we look in our year in review, that's what people do this time of year. We think about the whole year and we think forward to the new year. It's characterized by uncertainty. Uncertainty about economics, uncertainty politically, uncertainty personally. Maybe you personally or in terms of your ministry or in terms of your family or your marriage or your relationship, your finances, you're in a time a difficult time of uncertainty. And I think what the Lord wants to encourage you with today is that even in this time of great uncertainty, He is certain. He is faithful. He is someone that you can know for sure. He is someone that is established beyond doubt. That's what certainty means. Uncertainty is doubts or qualms, misgivings, apprehension, questioning, or second thoughts. That's what uncertainty means. Uh, just looking at the headlines recently, these are some headlines. Gold remains strong as uncertainty reigns. COVID vaccines, time to talk about the uncertainties. Sports face uncertainties after COVID surge. Here's a government story. 2020 census concluded, but there's an uncertainty of data. Here's a spiritual one. Some seek out fortune tellers amid the pandemic uncertainty. And I think this one is my favorite in terms of encapsulating the mood of our culture right now. Uncertainty likely the only certainty of 2021. Let me say that again. Uncertainty likely the only certainty for 2021. Is that really what God has to say to you today is that we can only be uncertain? No, God wants you to know that he is certain. And even in uncertain times, we can find comfort in his certainty. The first Christmas, we might forget this, but Joseph and Mary, we, we, we sometimes romanticize it. It was a time of great uncertainty for them, for the nation of Israel. They were conquered by the Romans. They were under their control. The people were worrying whether or not they'd be able to keep their temple. Joseph and Mary, they had a lot of uncertainty of how they would be judged by the society around them because she was with child and she was not married yet. It's a very difficult time for them, and we need to remember what they were going through as humans. Uh, we're going to look at Simeon and Anna, there are two characters that we don't read about much. And they, like a lot of Israel, are just waiting for the coming Messiah, the one that would make things right, the one that will save Israel. That's the setting. So we know, you know the story. The angel comes to Mary when she's in Nazareth, says that you have found great favor of the Lord, and you're going to bear a child, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the angel also comes to Joseph because Joseph finds out that his fiancée is pregnant, and so the angel lets him know what's happening. Then there's a decree from Caesar Augustus. The state says, hey, everyone has to go to your hometowns. And so all of a sudden, Mary, who's now nine months pregnant, 
and Joseph have to head down to Bethlehem. They give birth in a stable, a dirty animal stable. There's no room in the inn. And they're 100 miles, maybe 90 miles from home. They could only walk maybe 10 miles a day when Mary was pregnant. Now they've navigated all the way down Israel, and now they're hanging around in a place where they don't reside. And Joseph's business is not there, and what is he going to do for a month? Because he knows by the law he needs to take his son, his firstborn son, for purification under the law of Moses to the temple. And that's where our story begins. So out of obedience... Mary and Joseph take Jesus into Jerusalem. Mind you, Jerusalem is the same place maybe 30 years later, run by the Pharisees, and those Pharisees, when they find a woman who is caught in adultery, they're ready to stone her in the street according to the law of Moses. And so Joseph and Mary are taking Jesus into Jerusalem, knowing that there are some that know that she was pregnant prior to their being married. Of course, she didn't sin, but do you think people as hard-hearted as the Pharisees would know that? It's speculation what Mary and Joseph were going through, but they are human. And they're just in this moment obeying the word of God and going into the temple. So let's pick it up. Chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and say, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. For a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that in this time of uncertainty, you are certain. 
And Lord, help us to understand from this passage that you see the ins and outs, the beginning and the end. You know all the plans, and sometimes we get glimpses of it. But help us, Lord, to find our certainty and our trust in you. Teach us through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past week, maybe the last two weeks, I've made a number of calls. I've called some of you, and I've received emails and talked to some people, and it's tough times for, for many of you. I got one correspondence that talked about that a feeling that I don't feel certain about my faith. I don't feel certain what I should put my hope in. Other people feel like there's a lot of uncertainty in various aspects of their lives, whether it's their marriages, their relationships, their singleness, their mission, their decisions, their parenting, their kids' schooling, issues of sobriety. Will I be able to continue on on this road? There's a lot of uncertainty. And I'm hoping that in this passage we'll take heart by the characters here because every single character in this story learned one way or the other that the world is full of uncertainty, but God is certain. And that's my hope. That's what God wants to communicate to you today. So let's just take it from verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So let's just talk a little bit about Mary and Joseph just as human beings. It's really hard to really relate to them because Mary carried the Messiah. She was she had a virgin birth. That's hard for us to relate to. That's almost impossible for us to relate to. I find a little easier to relate to Joseph, but they still had a lot of angelic visions. And it might be really easy to discount and say, well, they should have had faith because they had all these angelic manifestations in front of them. Let's just revisit a few of them. Uh, in Luke 1, verse 30, just as a recap, because I want you to get a sense of who these people are, Mary and Joseph. Not a caricature, not what some... Um, religions say Mary is or who Joseph is, what who they really are according to scripture. In chapter 1, verse 30, an angel came to Mary. This is when she was chosen. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You should call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. So this is, we're rewinding back to when Mary was in Nazareth, okay? Just a poor girl. We know they're poor because we can see by the offerings that she and Joseph give is for people who are poor because if you were richer, you would give more than birds. So they don't have a lot of wealth. They're coming from very humble means, probably poor. And so Mary is just a poor girl who loves the Lord with all of her heart. And now she's been told that she's been selected by the Holy Spirit to bear Jesus, the Son of the Most High. And she asks the question to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How can any human 
accept that or comprehend it. And what Mary, this is really her character, and it shows you why God selected her. She said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. She visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth blesses her, and Mary sings a song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Talking about her Savior, which is actually in her womb, is amazing. That Mary's Savior is our Savior, Jesus. That's 147. So I'm just giving you a snapshot of who Mary is. And I really encourage you to read the song of Mary. It's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful song and it shows the heart of Mary. But now Mary's pregnant and a decree goes out in chapter 2, verse 1 by Caesar Augustus, and she has to take a voice. She has to go on a long trek, nine months pregnant, all the way down a hundred miles, almost a hundred miles to Bethlehem. That is tough. But let's think about it. She's not superhuman. The Spirit of God was with her, but she's human. She's a young girl who's unmarried and pregnant. Think about what that must have been like for her. Angels aside, the angels leave, and it's it could almost be like a dream for someone's mind, perhaps. I don't know. I can't, I'm only speculating, but she's living in a culture that, according to the law of Moses, she could be stoned, and she could be killed because of her perceived adultery. Of course, she didn't commit it. I mean, of course she didn't commit fornication, but that bad reputation follows her throughout her life and throughout Joseph's life and throughout Jesus' life. And we know that in John because the Pharisees say, we know what you're the product of. You're the product of sexual immorality. There's nothing more blasphemous than that. Well, how did Joseph handle this? Well, think about it from Joseph's perspective. He's finding out that his betrothed is pregnant and he has never been with her. That's a tough deal. And you can see how he handled it as a man of God. He's a righteous man. In Matthew 1, it says in verse 18, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, sorry, I was talking about Jesus. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph wants to protect her, wants to save her face. He doesn't want terrible things. He's probably heartbroken. And he just wants to divorce her very quietly. She, he also doesn't want her to get stoned. But then an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and explains things. And now there's a decree, and now he has to take his pregnant wife all the way down 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He can't find an inn that is open, and there's no availability. And so you know the story, Jesus is born in a really dirty stable. Some cultures... You spend a hundred days inside, protected, eating the right kind of soup, the right kind of medicine. You know, there's a lot of cultures that really protect the woman at this time. 
Mary, in contrast, is sitting in a stable with filth from animals. And then she has to, with, with Joseph, hang around that area for about 40 days. They're not going to go all the way back 100 miles and then come back. They want to obey the scriptures and take Jesus into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the same place years later where the Pharisees took out the woman caught in adultery and they were going to stone her in the street. Don't you think they had some apprehensions? And, and Joseph, you know, he's a... I mean, he, of course he had a miracle of seeing the angels in a dream, but he's also trying to take care of his woman. And he, it's very reasonable to be consumed with, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take care of this? And Because... We have to remember that even Paul says that every man has cares in this life. When you're married and you have a child, a lot of times we get consumed with that role of responsibility. I'm sure Joseph was like that as well. I bet there was a lot of uncertainty in his heart and in his mind. And even Mary, even though she's Mary, she's still a daughter of Eve. She still has the sin Nature. I know some people won't like me saying that, but I think it's safe to say that any person struggles with the judgment of man. We always have a challenge in Scripture, whether you fear man or fear God. If everyone in your circles are judging you, how, how do you think Mary's friends and family and society looked at her? Knowing that she's unmarried, seeing that she's pregnant. You don't think that she didn't feel the judgment? You don't think Joseph felt the judgment and the shame? And they're coming in. And at this time, they are carrying some of this with them. And in 22, I just feel that in times of difficulty and uncertainty, one thing that um, Mary and Joseph were certain about is that they were certain about what the law of Moses said. They were certain they need to obey the scripture. They were certain they need to take Jesus in. And sometimes for us, we need to do the same thing. If we're in a state of uncertainty, there's not much we know. We, it might be too much, too many things are going on and we can't make sense of it, but we do know that the scripture says we should go to church. We should give. We should meet. We should pray. Because the word of God says so. And sometimes, I'm not saying just go through the motions in an empty way, but I'm just saying sometimes we don't see the whole picture. And I want you to know that as Mary and Joseph went into the temple out of obedience to the word of God, God met them there and reminded them that he is certain in an uncertain world. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we have another character, Simeon, righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's an older man, and we're going to read about it, but God had told him, you're going to see the Messiah. And for Simeon, he had to be righteous and devout probably over many, many years. Because once he sees Jesus, he's, it's like his life goal has been fulfilled. He says, now I can depart in peace. And so there were seasons where Simeon was waiting and praying, 
He's in a time of waiting. I don't like to wait. Do you like to wait? It could be that God or the Holy Spirit has spoken to you a calling, a goal, has given you some inkling or some knowledge or some path or some promise. And time and year and year keeps passing. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And some of you, your heart's are sick because you felt that God had called you to something, but you haven't seen it manifested. And that's kind of where Simeon was. His heart's not sick, but he had been righteous and devout over time. And I think we can learn that from Simeon. Continue, uh, 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit, okay, so the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding into the temple. And when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up and blessed God and said, Now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That is so huge. In so many religious systems, so many local religions, salvation is through certain acts. If you do these things, Five practices. If you follow these eightfold paths, if you do these things, then you'll get salvation. People, salvation is a person in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's salvation offered to all peoples. Look at verse 31. It's for all peoples. It's not a local religion. It's for all peoples. And it's even a light for the Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. Last week we looked at John 1, and we saw at the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, the term Word, is speaking to both the Gentiles and the Jewish people. That in this baby is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy. I don't know if Mary and Joseph were fully aware that the prophecy was that the baby would be born in Bethlehem. It could be that God just used Caesar's Caesar Augustus' census to put them in the right place. See, God has a huge plan, and we only see glimpses of it at certain times. I think of Habakkuk 1.5 that says, Even if I told you what I was doing, this great thing in the world, if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. I think of the end of Job, when Job's complaining because he's feeling uncertain, because he's in an uncertain time in his life. But God's certain, and then he kind of lifts the veil and starts explaining to Job just a glimpse of what he's doing. You see, Mary and Joseph, they saw glimpses. They didn't see the whole picture. But speaking through Simeon here, God is encouraging them. See, when you go to the temple, when you obey the word, when you're in the community of believers, God will bring older, more mature believers around you that will encourage you because they have a certainty of God that's forged over years of devotion, years of prayer, and is quite like that as well. Look at 33. The father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. 
I think for what Mary and Joseph were carrying in terms of the responsibility, it's such a supernatural event and they're dealing with so many difficulties. They needed this kind of Holy Spirit encouragement, this affirmation. This is something that in the tough times they can think about and refer back to. In fact, Simeon gives a really hard word for Mary. And you think, wow, here's a woman presenting her baby in the temple. But look what Simeon says. It's not a typical baby dedication. He says, behold, this child is appointed, appointed by God, for the fall and rising for many in Israel. In a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He's talking about the fact that Mary someday is going to see that baby nailed to a cross to pay for your sins and mine. It's very sobering. But it says a little further on that Mary treasured these things. Not this specific passage, but you can see at the end of, actually in chapter 2, verse 19, when the angel first gave the information and she was with child and the shepherds came and she gave birth, she was pondering. She was in a state of pondering. Later on, she's in a state of treasuring. Pondering is you're still kind of mulling it over. Okay, I don't know if I said that clearly. So basically, after the angels came, she, she has baby Jesus. I, I'm rewinding a little bit. She's in the stable and the shepherds come and they're worshiping and she's just pondering this in her heart. It's just too much to believe and to accept. I'm not saying she doesn't believe, but it, it's a lot to take in. Let's put it that way. It's in this mindset that she goes to the temple. And it's in this place that God uses Simeon to affirm the significance of this baby. And of course, Joseph is there as well. And he's being encouraged. Because it's not over. After this event, sometime later, probably uh, a year, maybe two years later, the Magi come, and then Herod is going to try to kill the baby, and he's going to kill all the boys two years and younger in Bethlehem, and they're going to have to escape to Egypt. God's going to come to Joseph in a dream. A lot of uncertainty, but God is certain. And in the moments that we need him, God will make himself certainly known to you. Verse 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years when she was a from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple. Worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There's a lot. There's a lot here. I think Anna saw a lot of days of uncertainty. I don't think her plan was to marry her husband and have him pass 
seven years into the marriage. This is the only passage. This is all we know about Anna. And then she made a decision to spend her life in fasting and prayer at the temple. Because of her age, she was ceremonially clean, and she was able to stay on the temple grounds in certain places where a woman could worship. And she prayed, and she was carrying the anticipation that all of Israel were holding. They're, they're waiting for the Savior. Some of them are hoping for a political Savior to free them from Rome. But it's much more than that. It's a spiritual Savior, one that would take away the sins of both Jew and Gentile for those who would believe. And she also understood that there's a new era now. And in a way, she's like one of the first evangelists because she had certainty. Simeon had certainty. And she had so much certainty that she started to tell people about Jesus. She started to evangelize. What is an evangelist? It's one who shares. It says she began to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon is ready to die, but Anna is continuing the work. And you can just imagine Mary and Joseph saying, wow, that just happened. That's unbelievable. We just went into the temple to do our duty, and God sent these mature, two of them, these mature, devoted, righteous saints to encourage us, to verify that this truly is the Christ. And I think from those examples, we see from Simeon that he wasn't like Abraham. I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament, Abraham was also given a promise. Some of you have been given a word from God about, or a calling of where your life direction is going to be. But you have to be very careful. You want to be like Simeon. You want to be devoted. You want to be righteous. You want to hear the Holy Spirit and let him guide and direct you. What happened with Abraham is that he was given a promise. Uh, he and Sarah were given a promise that they would have a child in their old age. And after years passed, they didn't see it come to fruition. And so Abraham, instead of waiting, he went to Hagar. And instead of his wife, and they had a child, Ishmael. Ishmael was not the promise. He was not the promised son. And it caused his family a lot of turmoil. And for you... When we become impatient of waiting on God, when we're not like Simeon or like Anna in a place of devotion, in a place, Mary and Joseph are devoted as well. They're obeying the scriptures even when they don't see the ins and outs. But when we are impatient and we're not devoted, we will create Ishmael's in our life. We will make decisions. We'll get in wrong relationships. We'll quit jobs we shouldn't quit. We will... Um, 
apply for jobs we shouldn't apply to. We'll move. We'll do things. We'll make decisions rashly. And it usually doesn't end well. Anna, we see an example of a woman of God who's fasting and praying. In these uncertain times moving forward, in this nation, in this world, I believe God is calling our church and the church. And I got to admit, I'm not great at this. And it's an area where God wants me to grow of fasting and prayer. Because when we fast and we pray, or we worship like Mary worshiped the Lord, we start to magnify God and we begin to see him for who he is. Even amidst our trials, our uncertainties, our chaos. And I think that's what the Lord has for you today. So Israel had been longing for centuries for the Messiah, and he's come. As Garen said a few weeks ago, Christ has come, and he's come as a sacrifice to do the will of the Father. Let me read from Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is certain. This is known. This is established. And when we know that God is certain in uncertain times, it's like we have a wonderful counselor because a good counselor takes uncertainty and brings certainty to a situation. It's a recalibration. Let me give you some practical I guess, examples of how if we are in this time of uncertainty, we can see that God is certain in the middle of it. You know, Mary and Joseph, they, I mean, her pregnancy was an issue for their relationship, obviously. I mean, Joseph wanted to divorce her before God intervened. For some of us, it's not that traumatic, but in our singleness, or even if we're in a relationship. Um, when I was dating Jennifer many years ago, there were some obstacles that we didn't know if we could overcome it. And it's wise to bring in a biblical counselor, for example, who can look at a situation and bring a biblical certainty to an uncertain situation. And for some of you, you're dealing with uncertainty in your calling, in your relationship with God, with your interpersonal relationships, in family patterns and marriage patterns. I would just encourage you to seek out biblical counseling. Talk to Sin. David Pack is a skilled, professional biblical counselor, and it's very wise to seek counsel. Plans fail for lack of counsel, so when you are in a state of uncertainty, you want to, as a body of Christ, you want to continue to come to church, continue to be in fellowship, but why not participate in biblical counseling? Maybe the Lord will give you a word that will give you some certainty. Maybe some of you are not certain about your life direction. Um, I was so encouraged by, uh, or your ministry direction. I was, I was really encouraged by um, David's testimony a couple weeks ago, just talking about, it, it's so common for a lot of us to be, those of us who are devoted to the Lord, 
we're in a state of devotion and it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in ministry and forget why we're doing it. We don't want to lose our first love. And if you continue to attend church, you continue to stay in small group, God will bring Simeon's and Anna's into your life to help you. Um, Crit was that to me. Uh, a couple of years ago, the way I came to this church is I was in a place of real uncertainty of where I was going to work and where I should do ministry or what I was, what I was going to do. And we had lunch, and he invited me to this church for an internship, and I prayed on it. And the church um, that I come from, they, they blessed me, and they supported me, and they still support me. And Crit said, you know, if it's of God, it's going to work out. And so the, the point is, is that I was in a place of uncertainty, like Anna, like Simeon, like Joseph and Mary. I just decided to keep on obeying the word of God, keep on staying in ministry. And what, what God did is he brought Crit into my life and Crit gave me a word. Influenced by the Holy Spirit, just like Simeon. Simeon was influenced by the Holy Spirit. Crit said, hey, if it's of the Lord, it's going to work out. And it's been a real huge blessing, and it's brought some clarity to me. There's other situations about money or so on. You know, finally, I want to say we have a lot of uncertainty about where the direction of the world's going right now, where the direction of this country is going. And it's good. We should be praying for our leaders. But I just want you to be take heart in this time, is that as the world convulses with all these changes, just look how God used the Roman Empire. The Roman emperors did not love, well, Constantine is debatable, but the early Roman empires didn't, emperors did not have any interest in Christianity. But they didn't really strongly persecute them until Nero. But they created this network of roads. And God used the Roman Empire to create a road system that allowed the dissemination of the gospel to go out at just the right time. A lot of the roads were relatively safe, especially compared to earlier times because of the way they kept the roads, and that allowed people to travel and to spread the gospel. In fact, it was the Roman Empire that prompted Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem, which is the fulfillment of prophecy. So I suppose what I'm saying is, even if a country goes in the wrong direction, even if a country, and it's terrible, turns its back on God, God is still above it. Romans 13, God can still use these uncertain times and these uncertain leadership <laughs> to do his work. Because like Habakkuk 1.5, even if God were to explain it to us, we wouldn't even understand it. So just be encouraged. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this word today. This Christmas, we find ourselves, many of us find ourselves in a place of uncertainty in various aspects of our lives. Pray, God, that you would bring those to our mind right now. And we just yield that over to you. And we look to you, Jesus, the 
author and the finisher of our faith. You're a high priest. You understand what uncertainty is. When you ask the Lord, when you ask the Father to take the cup of suffering from you, when you sweat blood before going on the cross, you understand the anguish and the uncertainty we feel on this earth. God, help us. Jesus, help us. Whatever we're going through, help us to be like Mary and Joseph and continue to follow the word of God, to treasure your words in our hearts. Bring us Annas, bring us Simeons into our life to encourage us. Help us, Lord, by the power of the Spirit to speak words to others to encourage and edify them that together as a community of believers, we can encourage each other to understand that in these uncertain times, you are certain. In Jesus' name, amen.